night and day different. The Lord has uh, spoke to my heart. I've got a message. I can't wait to preach next Sunday, I believe. And, but this seems to be the direction that God is heading us tonight. And, uh, and maybe with all that's going on in our nation with the elections and all those kind of things, maybe, maybe that's the reason that God wants me to preach this tonight. I'll try to preach it quickly. We'll try not to keep you long tonight. But then, and we're going to read the whole chapter. And if you don't mind, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 15 verses. And we're going to read the whole chapter of Nahum tonight. So when you find your place, let's all stand tonight if you're able. And we're going to begin in Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite, God is jealous. And the Lord revengeth, the Lord revengeth, and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the, and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon, languisheth these beautiful places in other words these beautiful places are made sort of desolate is what the bible's saying there verse 5 the mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence yea the world and all that dwell therein who can stand before his indignation and who can abide in the uh, in in the fierceness of his anger his fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him the lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet and likewise many, yea, thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now will I break his yoke from off thee and will burst thy bonds in sunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. O you to keep thy solemn feast, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. And you may be seated tonight. We're going to talk about Nahum chapter 1. Really the whole book tonight, but, but specifically Nahum chapter 1 for a little bit this evening. And, and uh, I want to talk to you about that subject, America, a modern day Nineveh. America, a modern day Nineveh. I know this is going to change your life. I thought about coming out and saying, I don't know that this is going to change your life tonight, but I think it'll be interesting. But I don't think that's right to say because God said his word never returns void. So I believe that regardless of what we're preaching, we preached on salvation this morning. Most everybody here this morning was saved. But what will sure change your life still though, won't it? 
And I think this will help you tonight. And again, I think, I think that this will help us to know that we're getting close. We're getting close to the end. I believe we're in the, the last days, but I believe we're in the last of the last days. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Let's pray together as a church family. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, and Lord, what a great day it's been. How in the world can it be already be preaching time and the service will be closing out in just a few, few minutes? But God, it's been a tremendous day. You're so good, so faithful to meet with us at Calvary. Oh, Lord, please continue to do that. We don't deserve it. We don't hold a corner on that market. You could take it away, but we're sure praying that you won't. Father, please be here. Please manifest your presence here tonight. Please glorify your precious and wonderful darling son, our mediator. And Father, I pray that every heart will be spoken to and that, the soul, that souls will be saved. Uh, and Lord, if there may be some that are watching by way of live stream or maybe even here tonight that don't know that they know that they know that they're born again, help them to realize that time is short. The Lord's coming is short. And I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, please. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake, amen. Under the prophecy of Jonah, Nineveh sees a great revival, a great revival, from the king all the way down to the lowest servant. You don't have to go back there, but I'll read it for you. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Listen to verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. By the way, this could happen again. God has the power to do that. The Bible says, For, for word came into the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And so under Jonah's prophecy, Nineveh has just had a great awakening. I mean, it's supernatural. It's miraculous. The whole city has pretty much come to God. The whole city has, has gotten right with God. By the way, do a little study. You'll find out that Nineveh was known to be a very pagan heathen place uh, full of idolatry and false gods and yet this nation repents of their sin and get right, gets right with God. But wait a minute, we didn't read Jonah tonight. We read Nahum. So push the fast forward button 100 years. It's now when we read in the book of Nahum, it's now 100 years later Later. And Nineveh has settled back into their sinful and their wicked ways once again. And the Bible tells us that God finally sends his judgment on this Assyrian nation. You study some of the historians and they tell us that literally it seems as if Nineveh was, Nineveh was literally wiped off the face of the earth. That there's literally nothing left. There's no evidence left. It was there. Now it's gone. 
It's like God just completely took the city. He gave them chance after chance after chance. And God finally just wiped the earth clean of Nineveh. That's what the book of Nahum is about. We learned some wonderful, wonderful lessons, I believe, though, in the book of Nahum. And I want to share those with you, if I could, tonight. Wonderful lessons. How about this? Number one, we see, first of all, the long-suffering of God. What a wonderful truth to learn, that God is slow to anger. Look, if you will, in Nahum chapter number one and verse number three, the Bible says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. I like that. The Bible says that God is slow to anger and great in power. You could say it like this, that God is slow to anger, but firm. That's what that means. Slow to anger, but great in power. So God is long-suffering, but yet God is very firm. The Bible's teaching us the truth here that God will, will finally punish the wicked. But he's very slow. He's very slow about that, giving them every opportunity to repent and make things right with the Lord. Now I want you to think with me a little bit. And I want to just, I, I'm not, we're not setting dates and times and all that tonight, but I do want you to, I want you to just let the Lord work in your mind tonight, in your heart tonight. And I want you to think with me on this subject tonight concerning Nineveh. God has exhibited mercy for 100 years. That's Jonah preached, great awakening, great revival. And then 100 years later, Nahum the prophet comes on the scene prophesying against Nineveh. God has exhibited mercy for 100 years He's given them the opportunity to make things right. And although I understand that his mercy endureth forever, if I could say it very carefully tonight, God's mercy finally ran out. And God said, Nineveh, I'm going to give you a chance. And then Nineveh, I'm going to give you another chance. And another, and another, and another. And for 100 years, God stays his hand of judgment and God awaits and God is long-suffering and God is merciful and God is compassionate. But finally, after 100 years, we notice here that God begins to judge the nation of Nineveh. You can't help but wonder, how many years will it be for America? We're no better than Nineveh. Begin to think about this a little bit. I want you to just to, to, to logic with me this evening. Did you know that some of the last great revivals were right at 100 years ago? Well, you go back and study some of those meetings, and they are amazing to study. I loved it, and I always have. I've always been a great fan of Billy Sunday. And uh, Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, baseball player turned evangelist. And uh, played for the Chicago White Sox, and God saved him. And uh, he began to travel with J. Wilbur Chapman and help, uh, help uh, J. Wilbur Chapman in setting up the tents and the crusades and all those kind of things. And, and finally, J. Wilbur Chapman retired, and he said, Billy, uh, you're going to take the ministry. And, and Billy suddenly began to crisscross this nation and begin to preach, and God began to do something very supernatural in Billy Sunday's crusades, and, and they said that Billy Sunday was such an acrobat on the, uh, on the platform that sometimes in one sermon that he would run as, many, as much as three miles in one sermon, that he would run back and forth, that he would, 
take chairs and crush chairs on the platform and he would slide across the platform like he was sliding into home plate and, and he was a very active, dynamic preacher and literally thousands, thousands would come to hear this man of God preach. Oh, listen to me. Would God that we would get back to those days again. They said that when the evangelist Billy Sunday would come to town, that the bars and the saloons and the, and the taverns and the beer joints would shut their doors down while the crusade was going on because there was such the power of the Holy Spirit there while the crusade was taking place. Go back and study it out. You'll find out this awakening took place in the early 1900s. I think about a man that I mentioned this morning, Dwight Lyman Moody. Neil Moody, again, God used Brother Moody to do something very unique, not only in America, but in Europe. And God used Moody greatly, and thousands would come to hear this man preach. And, uh, and, and it's reported that under Billy Sunday's ministry and also under D.L. Moody, uh, Moody's ministry that at least one million people walked the aisles and gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Dwight Lyman Moody's meetings right at the very end of the 1800s. Billy Sunday crusades, the very early 1900s. There was something called the Fulton Street Prayer Revival that, by the way, took place just blocks away from the World Trade Center used to be. There was a fellow by the name of Jeremiah Lanford that started a prayer meeting that grew into one of the greatest awakenings that America has ever seen. 1857 was the date. And I thought about this, even the Billy Graham Los Angeles crusade, where God did something very supernatural. And literally thousands and thousands came out to hear the evangelist preach and, and scores of people were saved and hard to believe. But that has now been over 70 years ago. I just ask you a question. Could it be that like Nineveh, America is about to wear out her welcome? God says to Nineveh, I want you to get right. Jonah comes in out of that fish's belly. I can see this bleached out Jew and those, those uh, stomach acids have been working on him from the, the, fish of that, the, uh, the belly of that fish and He's got seaweed hanging out of his hair. And, uh, and man, the Bible says that Nineveh was a three days journey and he made it in one day. And, and the prophet Jonah comes into the city, begins to preach, repent, repent, repent. You better get right. And the whole city comes to God. But now it's a hundred years later and God has extended his mercy. And God has said, get right with me. Get right with me. Come back to me. Return to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. And he waits 25 and he waits 40 and he waits 50 and he waits 70 and he waits 80 and he waits 100 and then God says to Nahum, Nahum, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell him time's up. I just wonder if it could be that America is about to have a time up. You say, Pastor, why are you why are you telling this, telling us this? Because Calvary, it's evidence that we must pray for revival in our land. I thought, about, I thought about Lot as Lot and his family are living in Sodom and Gomorrah and God is getting ready to, to rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you understand that there is one thing and one thing only that spared Lot's life 
and, the, and the, the, the lives of his family, and that is that he had an uncle, Abraham, who was pouring his heart out to God and saying, oh God, don't judge the righteous with the wicked. God have mercy, God have mercy. And God spared Lot, and God spared some of his family because he had a, a, a relative that was pouring his heart out and praying. Listen, Calvary, this is all I'm saying. If these kids, if these little ones in this auditorium, if these young people and these teenagers are gonna have a decent nation to live in. It means that somebody somewhere is going to have to sacrifice a little bit and get a hold of God and grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, oh God, send revival. Oh God, do great things. We're tired of the norm. We're tired of the natural. We're tired of just getting by. Oh God, send revival in this great land, America. Long suffering. But number two, not only do we see the long-suffering of God, but number two, we see the limitations of God. There is a point at which God gets fed up. The Word of God reminds us here that God is jealous. He's a jealous God. Nahum chapter 1, look at verse number 2. Nahum the prophet comes in preaching. Boy, he's guns loaded, preaching in gun barrel straight. Nahum chapter 1, verse number 2, Nahum says, God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. That's so important, let's repeat it. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Exodus 34, 14 says it like this, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Listen, God doesn't want to share you with anybody else. Can I, just tell you, can I just tell you where religion is in the average American's life, in the average Christian's life? God is a spoke in the wheel. I mean, really, let's be honest. God's a spoke in the wheel. Most Christians in America, they have this mentality. Lord, I tell you what, if I can fit you in, I will. If I can read my Bible, if I can find the time, I'll read my Bible. If I can find a little bit of extra time, I'll spend some time in prayer. And Lord, I tell you what, I, if, if I can really find the time, I'll do you a favor. And I'll, I'll be in your house on Sunday morning. I keep back and back on Sunday night. But I'll be there Sunday morning. And occasionally, I might even show up on Wednesday. And, and Lord, I'm going to do my best. To, let's see if I, I think I, I think I can schedule, I think I can pencil you in right here. And God said, I don't want to be a spoke in the wheel. I want to be the hub of the wheel. How many know that everything ought to revolve around him? Our planning, our schedule, our, our, uh, our pleasure, our marriage, our family, our home, our child rearing, our job, our work schedule. Everything ought to revolve around him. Why, preacher, why? Because God is a jealous God. And although merciful, God will finally allow his wrath to be exhibited. Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Would you take your Bibles? I want you to hold your place in Nahum because it's hard to find if you turn away. But hold your place in Nahum, but I want you to turn back to the book of Proverbs with me. Proverbs chapter number one. Please understand, God's a merciful God. In fact, he's so merciful, we can't understand his mercies. 
But there is, a, there is a time when God finally says, that's enough. That's enough. That's all I'm going to do. Notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 23. Proverbs 1, verse 23. The Bible says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. God said, man, I'll bless you beyond any, anything you can imagine. Look at verse 24, though. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel with none of my reproof. God said in verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Verse 28. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Listen, church, that's all I'm saying tonight. All that God would give us some God-fearing Christians and some God-fearing Americans at Calvary Baptist Church. And by the grace of God, maybe we can get something started across our land. Uh, why? Because God, although God is merciful, although his compassions are new, God says, I'm a jealous God and I'll extend my mercy only so long but finally he said that's gonna that's gonna wear out and God said I'm going to judge and so we see the long suffering of God we see the limitations of God now this is just interesting I just want to give this to you tonight number next we see I believe we see the list of God what are you, what are you talking about preacher I believe we see the list of judgments that God uses as at his disposal. I'm going to show you some here in just a moment. Some judgments that God mentions in Nahum. And what's so really interesting about the book of Nahum is that these judgments that I'm going to show you tonight, right now, as we speak, are unfolding, not only in our world, but in our nation. Can I show you a few tonight? You say, preacher, what are the judgments that God can use? Number one, we find that storms is a judgment of God. Nahum chapter one, Nahum chapter one, verse number three. The Bible says the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Look what he says here. The, the Lord hath his way in the what? In the, in the whirlwind and, uh, and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Interesting word. I looked up that word whirlwind and it means honeycomb. Honeycomb. You say preacher like a honeycomb's got honey in it? No. But it's the idea of a honeycomb but it has to do with the sea. Well, that's interesting. It means this. It means to overflow. Well, that's interesting. The word storm there means tempest. So I thought, what is it talking about when it says honeycomb? And I thought, hey, I bet I know what that is. And so that's why I put that hurricane up on your screen tonight. Sort of looks like a honeycomb, doesn't it? And God said, one of the ways that I judge is by using storms. We've never seen quite a time like we're seeing right now in America. Uh, the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season 
was the most active and the seventh costliest Atlantic hurricane season on record. The season featured a total of 31 subtropical cyclones, all but one of which became a name storm. Of the 30 name storms, 13 developed into hurricanes and six further intensified into major hurricanes. In fact, y'all know this. We had so many storms this year. We went through our alphabet. Our, our alphabet. And we had to start using the Greek alphabet. So we had Tropical Storm Arthur, Tropical Storm Bertha, Tropical Storm Cristobal, Tropical Storm Dolly, Tropical Storm Edward, Tropical Storm Faye, Tropical Storm Gonzalo, Hurricane Hannah, Hurricane Isaiah, Tropical Tri De Depression 10, uh, Tropical Storm Josephine, Tropical Storm Kyle, Hurricane Laura, Hurricane Marco, Tropical Storm Omar, Hurricane uh, Nana, uh, Hurricane Paulette, Tropical Storm Renee, Hurricane Sally, Hurricane Teddy, Tropical Storm Vicky, Tropical Storm Beta, Tropical Storm Wilfred, Tropical uh, Storm Alpha, Tropical Storm Gamma, Hurricane Delta, Hurricane Epsilon, Hurricane Zeta, Hurricane Eta, uh, Tropical Storm Theta, and Hurricane Loda, and the list goes on. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that America is a modern day Nineveh. And God is saying, America, I'm giving you every opportunity to repent. I'm giving you every opportunity to get right. And yet a lot of times America has waved its fist in the face of an almighty God, a merciful God. And they said, God, we don't want you. And when we need you, we'll call you. And until then, you stay out of our life. And because of that, God is beginning to send those judgments into our land. Not only storms, but how about this? Number two, drought. Look what he says. Nahum chapter 1. Verse number four, the Bible says, he rebuketh the sea and maketh it what? And maketh it dry. And then the Bible says, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan, which is a, a beautiful place, Bashan languisheth and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth, drought, drought. New study from Columbia University. That says the region, speaking of the West, where our, where our kids are, maybe some of your relatives, has now entered into a climate-driven, what they're calling a mega-drought. Possibly the worst in modern history. Reports say that North Korea, which the news coming out of North Korea is so limited, but that North Korea may be experiencing their worst drought in 37 years. Now, again, what's going on? I believe we're seeing God working. And God is beginning to send judgments on our land. Not only storms, not only drought. Y'all know this is true, don't you? Earthquakes. Who would have ever, who would have ever thought that in North Carolina we would start feeling some. Now look what he says in Nahum. Nahum chapter one, verse number five. The Bible says the mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. God said that I have another judgment at my disposal and it's the judgment of earthquakes. Earthquakes. 
The National Earthquake Information Center now locates about 20,000 earthquakes every single year or 55 every single day. Now, I can tell you this, Calvary, and you know this true, but I can tell you this. The, somebody says, and this is what, they're ta- this is what these uh, uh, geologists, uh, they're saying, is the big one getting ready to come. I want to tell you something. The big one is getting ready to come. Oh, it's coming. You say, Pastor, are you a geologist? No, I'm a preacher. But I have a book that's inspired and divine, and it tells me beyond a shadow of a doubt from the greatest geologist that's ever lived that the big one is on its way. The Bible says in Revelation 16, verse number 18, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give her uh, unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Brother, there is coming an earthquake that's going to hit this earth that we live on and it's going to be so bad that the Bible says that Jerusalem will be divided up into three sections. This earthquake will be so bad the Bible says that islands will disappear. That's going to happen. And I believe personally inhabited islands. Those islands will disappear. I believe this. I believe there will be such a such a shift of the, 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 the uh, earth's crust that it will begin to fire volcanoes all over the world. You call up a map right now around the Pacific Rim or the Pacific Ocean, there are about 450 active volcanoes. And I believe that when that earthquake fires, that earthquake, that earthquake comes, that it will so upset the crust of the earth that it will take the top off those volcanoes and one by one by one in rapid succession they will begin to go off and it will be like small nuclear bombs as they begin to fire. No wonder the Bible says the sun will refuse to shine and the moon will no longer give its light. You know why? Because the atmosphere will be so full of ash. We've never seen anything like it. And God, this is what God is saying. I have that at my disposal. That's in my arsenal. If I want to use that, that judgment, I can do that. But how about this one? Fires. Well, this is irrelevant, isn't it? Nahum chapter 1, verse number 6. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Church, y'all know what I'm telling you is the truth. We're seeing stuff like we've never seen before. I watched a guy, I watched a guy on the news not too long ago that lived in one of these places in California. Beautiful home, beautiful home, and several years ago burned his house completely to the ground. So he rebuilt, and two years later, the fire burned his next house all the way to the ground. And we're seeing these wildfires break out all across America. One of the last times my wife and I were in California, boy, this got really real. 
because they had a wildfire while we were there, just miles away. I mean, literally miles away. In fact, we were on the interstate and we went through some of it. You could see the fire burning on both sides of the interstate. From Santa Clarita, California, where our children are, you could just look down uh, uh, interstate, uh, interstate 14, I think is what that is, and literally, and you asked my wife about this, literally it looked like the mountain was on fire. It was incredible. We had never, coming from North Carolina, we had never seen anything like that. It was, it was crazy. And now, church, we don't just have neighborhoods that are being burnt to the ground. We have entire towns. Are y'all listening to your preacher tonight? We have entire towns that are being burnt, nothing left. Now, what's going on? God's a powerful God. And God said, I have some things in my arsenal, fire, earthquakes, droughts, storms, but see if this, see if this rings a bell, floods. Nahum chapter one, verse number eight. The Bible says, but with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof and darkness shall pursue his enemies. Some of you follow Brother Raj. And just the other day, Brother Raj sent out a prayer request on Facebook and said, please pray. They're calling for uh, rainstorms and torrential flooding, and sure enough, right there in Chennai where he is, uh, the floods came and streets were flooded and homes were flooded and cars were flooded. And we're seeing that literally all across the world, and we're seeing it right here in America. You say, Pastor, what's going on? God is saying this. I'm a merciful God. I'm a compassionate God. I'm a long-suffering God. But God says, I have a limitation. And I want you to come back to me. I want you to return. I I want you to get back in your Bibles. I I want you to get back to praying. I I want you to get back to church. And by the way, uh, uh, after this COVID thing, after this COVID thing is done, it's going to be interesting to see who makes their way back to the house of the Lord. And I believe right now God is saying, children of God, it's important that you, that you get back, that you, that you do what I want you to do. Why? Because God said, I've got a list, and if I have to use that list, I can. We see the long-suffering of God. We see the limitations of God. We see the list of God, but let's end this thing on a good note because it is a good note. Number next and last of all, believe it or not, we see the love of God. We see the love of God. You say, preacher, where do you find that in there? In Nahum. God said, I'm going to judge Nineveh. And yet you see the love of God. Where do you see the love of God? Did you know that God handpicked, if you will, a prophet by the name of Nahum? You know what Nahum means? It means comfort. And God gives Nineveh a hundred years to repent and they don't do it. And God says, okay, I'm going to send my man. His name is Comfort. Nahum is his name. The judgment that God has pronounced upon Nineveh was actually seen as a comfort to the children of Israel. Look what it says. Nahum, Nahum chapter one, verse 15. Behold, Upon the mountains, 
Look what it says here. The feet of him that bringeth, what kind of tidings? Good tidings. That publisheth what? Peace. By the way, exclamation mark there. O Judah, keep thy solemn feast. Perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. And so this, this judgment is pronounced upon Nineveh, upon Assyria. And it says to Israel that this nation that you've constantly had to look out for, you constantly had to keep your eyes out for them because they're always hounding you, always trying to hurt you. God said, I'm getting ready to move them off the map. In Israel, you can take comfort. Because these judgments, now church, get this, I'm done, get this. God says you can take comfort because these judgments are not necessarily for you. He said, I'm going to remove those that are trying to oppress you from the earth. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Did you know in a similar way for the child of God, as we see these judgments roll in, floods, storm after storm after storm, earthquakes, fires, droughts. We can take great comfort. Comfort, you say, preacher, where is comfort in that? Listen, my dear friend, we know is when we see these things beginning to happen that the coming of the Lord is near at hand. Our blessed hope is just on the other side of these judgments. Luke chapter 21, verse number 28 says it like this. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And so we look at these things and we think, oh my preacher, this is terrible. This is terrible. I mean, a, a pastor, I've been so depressed the last few weeks. I've been so depressed. I mean, I, 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 I mean Trump had to get in. And folk, let me say this rightly. Trump didn't have to get in. I know, but I, I know, but 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 Biden and 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 Harris and it looks like it looks like they may get it. And 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 you say, preacher, I'm so depressed. I, I'm so discouraged. Listen, don't be discouraged. Lift up your hands because it's just telling us this that our redemption draweth nigh. A little girl came skipping down. A little path. And that path led to an old broken down cemetery. It wasn't dark, dark, but it was close. There was a little breeze blowing through the trees that night. and The sun had already set. And it was dusky, dark. Little, little girl, she came trotting down the path and got ready to go in the gate of that cemetery. Old broken down, scary, spooky and there was a man right there close to the gate of that cemetery, and he said, he stopped her. And he said, young lady? She said, yes, sir. He said, are you not afraid to go in this cemetery? She said, no, sir. He said, man, that's something. He said, I know some grown-ups want to go in this place when it gets close to dark. And he said, how is it that you're not afraid? And that little girl looked at that man and she said sir you don't understand my home is just on the other side it's just on the other side and we're seeing all these things happen in our nation right now hey child of God take courage be encouraged listen God 
has got this. He's not in heaven. Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right in my Father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. God's not in heaven taking Valium and Xanax and thinking, oh my, oh, what are we going to do? Michael, get over here. Gabriel, come here. What in the world are we going to do? God's got it all under control. And God's a God of victory. And God, child of God, God's going to bring us through. By the way, we hope to see you Wednesday night, but there is a chance we may not make it till Wednesday. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this challenge this evening. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that America has seemed to turn a deaf ear to the things of the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry that a lot of churches have seemed to turn away from the things of the Lord. And Lord, I'm, I'm even sorry for the times when I've turned away from the things of the Lord. Father, help us to return. Help us to come back to God. Help us to repent. Help us to humble ourselves, to pray to seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways. And Father, I pray that you'll hear, hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and I pray that you'll heal our land. But God, I pray that you'll help us as the people of God to take courage because we understand that behind the scenes, our Heavenly Father's at work and everything's gonna be okay. Father, it could be there's one here tonight that doesn't know that they're going to heaven. I pray tonight they'll get in. It could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus while they have time. Tonight I pray they'll get it settled. Father, it could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to join the church or someone needs to be baptized. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you're working hearts. Save that one that's nearest hell. And Father, help us to be the vessels that you desire. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand around the house tonight, if you would, please.